It's hour two of Wildcat Insider. Our phone number is 785-537-1350. Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Travion Berklin is running our board today. If you feel like you want to call in, feel free to do so as we're talking. K-State Hoops are now 18-3 and on the season, and they are 6-2 and in Big 12 play. Halfway mark is tomorrow night in Allen Fieldhouse. Pre-game coverage here on K-Man at 6 as soon as the game wraps up. And then tip-off is officially at 7.02. Right here live and, may I mention, for free on News Radio K-Man. Or you can, of course, pay the money and watch on ESPN+. Plus, Which I noticed, even though it's a plus game, John Shambi, Jay Billis, Chris Budden. Mm-hmm. They're still going to bring them out for the ESPN Plus broadcast. That's pretty much the A-team for the most part yeah. on Big Monday. And so, yeah, having Billis there, because Fran does a ton of games, as you know. Billis only does like those big games. Yeah, the biggest of the big, probably. Yeah. So I think this will be the third time he's done Kansas this year. So he probably doesn't have to study too much on them. Maybe a little more on the Cats. We'll see how that goes. I remember there for a while, if it was K-State, KU, and Bramlage, it was tip. Seemed like for a long time it was always Big Monday, and Brent mm-hmm. Musburger sure. would be in town for that game. And then the return game would like be played on a Tuesday or Saturday, and that's where Jay Billis would come into play. Or mm-hmm. uh, Shulman, I yeah, Dan Shulman, Dan Shulman, that's uh-huh. right. Yeah, would you know, of course be the sidekick, and they would do the game in Allen Fieldhouse. Shulman does a really good job. I, I agree. Yeah, and I like John Shambi too. John, John. Well, first of all, he's a good guy, um, and and I think he's a rock solid announcer. So it it is a little weird for the game. How do I say this the right way? This is only the tenth time since 1907 when this series began that these two teams will play where both are ranked in the top ten, and it's on ESPN+. Plus. That's a shame. Boy, that actually brings up a good point. What was yeah. the last time these two teams played as top ten opponents? Uh, finals of the 2013 Big 12 tournament, I believe. Is it really? Uh-huh. Yeah, they were one, and K-State right. was nine, I believe. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. How about that? Wow. Yeah. That has been a has been a minute. You know, I did get asked too uh, today. Uh, when was the last time K State swept KU? Eighties, eighty two, eighty three. Mm. I had to look. I didn't know that. Probably should, but I didn't know it. I didn't think it would be in the nineties. <clears throat> and my memory goes back a decent ways. You yeah. know, I remember how rough those early two thousands were. Even though the last time the Cats beat KU, of course, it was two thousand six. Uh, and Cardi Martin was on the team last year for. You're talking Jim, about Ed Allen, Jim Woldridge yeah. at Ed mm-hmm. Allen Fieldhouse, and uh, I was uh, I was in Salina for an event, and I remember it was at a hotel, and it was such a shocker that somebody got over the intercom at the hotel and announced the final score. <laughs> well, and I was like, oh my god, it's probably a K State guy, right? I, I would hope so, and yeah. I I did not expect that to take place. <laughs> Boy, is it a tough place to win. We'll get more on uh, the preview of the Kansas Jayhawks. I do want to you know, bounce back to the win over Florida for just a moment. Uh, first of all, you mentioned during the break of how the, the, the fans went nuts for the baby race. Yeah, I got that too. I was like, as soon as they saw the babies coming out, Bramlage jumped up to its feet. Because I don't think that was previously advertised. It was kind of a surprise to see, all right, the annual baby race is happening today against Florida. Well, when they first walked out, because I, you know, I, I'm pretty busy at halftime because I'm on air and I have a, a live halftime interview. Bob Koppel with the yeah. via Christie Hospital. Via Christie, yeah. Yeah. So, such a good guy. But anyway, 
getting ready for that, and I look up, and they're all over there over on the far side, and I'm going, this is Legends Weekend. When are they going to introduce all the guys? So I guess they just did it in a different uh Future legends first. Than I, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, future legends first. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> and then, uh, then the uh, the actual you know former players come out, and I thought that was a, an excellent moment. First of all, I was, I was nervous as hell because I'm reading off a bunch of names, and a lot of them honestly were, of course, before my time. Sure. And uh, was, most of them, I've seen them for the first time. Uh-huh. I'd, I'd never announced Rolando Blackman in my career. Yeah. Uh, as Kansas State's public address announcer, and I that was. An awesome moment. And mm-hmm. also, of course, for Ernie Barrett, who was last Mr. K-State. Got a great ovation, too. Huge ovation. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I have no idea when the last time Rolando Blackman was back. I, I think somebody else asked me that, and, and, and I may be dead wrong on this, but my memory kind of feels like it might have been six or seven years ago. Same kind of event with, with the Legends weekend. And, and by the way, salute Bailey from, from K-State basketball for putting all of that together. That's not an easy thing. She's really good at what she does. And <laughs> they had 30-some guys, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, 30-ish. But to have a lot of those guys back, you know, like there were, I think, uh, of course, Ernie from the from the 50s, and then you had a mm-hmm. couple from the 60s, and, and then, you know, you get into the Rolando Blackmans and those kind of guys. It was really, really fun to see a lot of them. Even the, the guys that were – Maybe not necessarily the biggest names that have played somewhat recently. I really enjoyed at shoot around as an example talking to Victor Ogilvy. Hadn't seen him for for a little while, and uh, DJ Johnson was always one of my favorite guys on the Catbacker tour. Oh yeah, good to see him. And anyway, that's a that's a fun fun time. Uh, there was a there was a pair of uh, Florida fans that got my attention after the game and asked if Rolando Blackman would be coming back out really? to take pictures or anything with anybody. <laughs> so that that was cool to, to them. That was a big deal that Rolando uh-huh. Blackman was there in person because right. I'm sure they remember him from, of course, probably not his collegiate days, but NBA days mm-hmm. uh, was it was obviously a big deal for uh, for a time. Um, also, hadn't touched on this yet. Marquis Noel was knocking on the door for the first ever triple double in K-State sports history. I, I was curious to know if you if you guys had caught that oh, sure. at halftime because I, I just kinda you know, Brett, who runs the show, the you know, the fan experience there, all the production for the for the game and stuff, has a, has the stats open. I love that so I can actually kind of follow along while the game is going on. I looked over, I was like, Marquise is eight, six and eight. Uh-huh. I was like Oh my God! At halftime, do people know yeah. this? I was like, I, I always felt like he had announced this. Yeah. He is extremely close to a triple double, and we've never had one. Yeah. And yet, in that first half, he had eight points, six rebounds, and eight assists. I was like, he's he's going to get there. Unfortunately, he didn't. That's true. He uh, did because not. it was a bit of a rougher second half for him. But uh, Marquise Noel finished with thirteen points. Uh, eight re- uh, eight assists and nine <laughs> rebounds. Yeah. Uh, so of course he falls short when we're almost about to make history when a bunch of legends are in town. Well, he's had a lot of double doubles, points yeah. and assists, but to get close to having a double double with points, rebounds like he did Saturday is extraordinary for a man his size. And David Gasson, I because I'm about to play this audio of the press conference on Saturday with the three players uh, that we'll hear from in just a moment. But you know, David Gasson was also part of that. Um, that press conference, and I got to say, the way he came out and played was not expecting it. He, I mean, he came out with so much energy, 
and made a ton of plays where he got Colin Castleton up in the air twice. Mm-hmm. That might be one of my favorite plays of the season yeah. because he's over there pivoting and he got you know one of the one of the best post guys in in the SEC. I mean, he's a two time All SEC player. Faked him out twice and got those two points. That was an amazing play. I really loved his energy out of the gate. Well, you hear coach call him a rim runner all the time. He's very athletic. He's long at 6'9", 6'10". He's a really good athlete. But you're starting to see, and we talk all the time about his defense, but he has some offensive post moves to him. You know, those little... You know, drop steps and the spins and those kind of things with his his quickness uh, can create some issues. I I love the energy, and um, I wasn't sure what to expect in terms of minutes, but for him to go for basically a month without playing, minus the four minutes he got a week ago Saturday against Tech, Mm -hmm. that's all he'd had from the 21st of uh, December to the – through the 21st of January, basically, and to, to, to go and have nine points in 19 minutes and make four or five shots, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty good day. Well, after the win over Florida, which was 64-50 uh, to 50 for the Cats to get to 18-3 and three on the season, the media got to speak with Keontae Johnson, David Gasson, and Marquise Noel. We will hear from Keontae Johnson in this clip of him just you know talk about what it was like to play against his former team in Florida, David Gasson and his game, plus Marquise Noel. And it starts out with a question to Marquise Noel. Marquise, uh, just how aware were you that you were that close to the triple-double? Uh, I was aware like second half with like seven minutes left um, that I was flirting with a triple-double. Um, I tried to get it, but it the cars didn't just, you know, align with that, but man, that would have been cool. You were much better. Your production was a little bit more in the first half than the second half. What was kind of the difference between those two? Uh, in the first half, I really wanted to look for my teammates and get them open looks and open shots um, so that they could feel good about themselves and have confidence throughout the game. And I was just looking for myself second. So that that was my motto when I first, you know, started. Dave, uh, you finally got on the court for an extended period of time, 19 minutes. How'd you feel about yourself at that point? I mean, first of all, I just want to say I'm extremely thankful uh, to my coaching staff, uh, my teammates, uh, my trainer, Luke and Andrew. Um, they was there for me a lot, even though I was hurt and disappointed. They stayed helping me and, you know, working my ankle, doing my exercises, make sure I was on top of that. Um, besides that, I'm just happy to be back. Felt good. Uh, I got a little tired after the first couple of minutes, but, you know, just happy to be back. I was going to ask you, how close do you feel like you are conditioning-wise? I'll be back soon. I don't think I'm that close to where I was when I got hurt, but a couple more practices, I'll be back. Keontae, just walk me through your emotions when you get announced and the crowd goes crazy and then you look over and you see some of your old teammates. Just what was today like for you? Today was, I mean, it was a special day just seeing my old teammates. Um, it's fun out there playing against them. Just felt like back like practice. And just joking around throughout the game, but keep being competitive. So I feel like it was a great experience. Just I'm glad the Big 12 got this conference and SEC game going on, and we got to play Florida. So really appreciate it. And then kind of walk me through your uh, attempted windmill dunk there. How bad <laughs> did you want that one? Man, so I so that was my, my real first fast break, and I was just I already knew what I was gonna do in my head, but when I try to jump, I ain't dribble. So when I try to jump, my right foot slipped. 
And then at that moment, it was like, I couldn't do a windmill layup, so I just tried to go for the dunk. Hopefully, I rim grazed it in, and I missed it. But Have you ever been stuffed by the rim before? Nah, this is my second time in college. Oh, no, third. I got Wichita State. I got rim stuck here. I did it at, when I played at Florida, Texas and them, and in this game. So, it was my third time. It won't happen again, though, I promise. <laughs> Marquise, I want to ask you, um, how is this offense different with David in the lineup? We play at a faster pace. I feel like uh, David gets out in transition. Um, he has a really good feel for around the rim. So I'm just happy he's back, man. He's been putting in a lot of work and a lot of effort with, you know, Luke, um, our athletic trainer. And just having him out here, he's, he's another voice and he's mature. So he, he does everything, all the little things that we really need, you know, from, from a big guy. Uh, for both Keontae and Marquise, uh, you guys are obviously trying to establish like a brand new culture here at K-State and Coach Golden talked a lot about how experience can be helpful with that. How much have you guys seen maybe older players come in and just help you guys establish what Coach Tang speaks about on a regular basis? Uh, I mean, we have, you know, new people come into the, to our locker room, you know, every so often. But, you know, Coach Tang does, did a really good job with establishing the culture that's here at K-State and embracing it. You know, um, when he first got here, he wanted this to be, you know, a, a power five in a, in a high, high basketball program. And just what, what he's done in his first year and just embracing the culture and knowing every dance, you know, doing stuff like that is, is, is really amazing to see. Um, but the alumni does a really good job. You know, we just saw Rolando Blackman and he spoke to us and gave us a really good you know, talk about what it takes to, to be great and to be successful, you know, in the Big 12 and in the NBA. So it's, it's just really, you know, big for us to see, you know, alumni talking to us. And Keontae, you looked pretty happy there after the game when you were, you know, posing for pictures with your former teammates and stuff. Was that kind of your goal to wait until the game was over to, to start doing that stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know the other teams be leaving out right after the game, so just try to get a picture right before them. Just it's a once-in-a-lifetime memory. And you would never uh, get that feeling or that moment back. So just trying to embrace the moment, um, show my love for them, and just move on for it. I know some people maybe wouldn't want to play their former team. Were you excited when you saw them on the schedule? Oh, yeah. I knew we was playing them when I committed here. That was, like, the first thing the coaches told me. So, I mean, I was definitely looking forward to it. Just seeing um, the athletic trainer Duke, um, he's one of the main person that saved my life on the court. So just seeing him on, on the bench and just talking to him after the game, just helped like brighten up my day. Like, I don't think this day could have been any worse, even if I had played bad or played a good game. Like, just seeing the people that care for me at Florida and just showing how much love they got for me on the court. Uh, so it was asked to Keontae. I want to go back to a, kind of the middle of that clip of the windmill dunk. Yep. Uh, that he didn't hit. And I gotta say, ever since Cartier Jada had the windmill against Kansas, it's it's been a blessing but also a curse. The blessing was. It's a highlight that will live on forever, uh, and who knows? You know, maybe you can consider you know the the alley oop dunk that Keontae had against Oklahoma State, or even a K against KU is you know maybe the next best. I don't know. It's up to you if you want to put it up there or not. But um, ever since Cartier Jada's windmill hit, I don't think anybody's made one since. Because I know Cartier had, had tried a couple of times after, and both of them were botched. Keontae tries one. That doesn't go so well. 
Although I will say, I think I, I was kind of watching the crowd as he went up for it. Like everybody was already kind of jumping out of their seats, sure. ready to cheer. Because I think we kind of assumed he was going to make it, <laughs> uh, and then it didn't happen. But poor guy, he he got one back though. He ended up getting a dunk later on. It wasn't at as dramatic as a windmill dunk would be on a breakaway, but he still got one back. I was interested to hear him say that he had had that happen two other times. A pretty good recall on his part to to think not only how many times, but against the opponent. I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, he did slip a little bit. He admitted that, and I mm-hmm. kind of thought he did. I didn't mention it in, in calling the play, but I thought he did kind of misfire a little bit there. Uh, and it doesn't take a lot to throw you off, right? As far as the Jada play, uh, I do think there are a couple of guys on this team that are certainly capable of pulling it of, off of one like that. I got uh, one person in mind. Naquan? Naquan Tomlin, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Naquan's the no-brainer. Um, uh, it, it'd be interesting to see if he would get one in the open court like, I mean, you know, just be, you know, maybe a two-on-one kind of thing or even just by himself, um, even if he'd try it. But he's such a quick-jumping guy. Uh I could see him pounding. I mean, literally, really pounding one. Couldn't you? Yeah. Well, and yeah. yes, he did. It. I mean, he had a breakaway against KU. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was a that was a pretty big one. That was towards the end of regulation. I've noticed he doesn't jump very high when he is like on a breakaway like that, or like running towards the rim and going to put one up or try to dunk it. Like he doesn't get his biggest ups. At that moment, I think where he jumps his highest is when he's going up for an alley oop, and he maybe he has to go as high as he can. I think that's to fair. rip one down. Yeah, really quick jumper though, and he, <clears throat> excuse me, he can he can elevate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll get to what's happening tomorrow. We'll talk about once again in preview. K State KU. It's round two in Allen Fieldhouse. We'll preview that matchup next. Five three seven thirteen fifty is the number. This is Wildcat Insider Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Of course, K-State KU tomorrow on the men's side in, in Allen Fieldhouse. Meanwhile, yesterday, as Troy mentioned during the update, the K-State women's basketball team falling to KU 85-72. It was a score that didn't really tell the story of how close it was in the fourth quarter where you know K-State got it to within a score. Unfortunately, KU kind of pulls away and keeps K-State from arms at arm's reach the rest of the way. But Gabby Gregory with a huge game, 25 points with five rebounds and three assists, and she was four of nine from three. K-State was uh, was hot there for a while from three. They got three three-pointers from Jalen Glenn, four from uh, Shamatsi, got one from Briley Glenn, as the Wildcats had four players uh, in double figures, finishing the night shooting 35% from three-point range. Uh, but now the K-State women, um, as Troy mentioned uh, earlier, are now 13-9 on the season, 2-7 and seven in Big 12 play. Coming up next for the K-State women's basketball team, they're back at home on Wednesday at 6.30, hosting number 12 Iowa State. Then they're back on the road Sunday at Texas Tech to play at 1 o'clock. 
All right, to the Kansas Jayhawks on the men's side. In the game tomorrow in Allen Fieldhouse between the Cats and KU, it is a top 10 matchup. Cats are number seven. Jayhawks are number eight. K-State is 18-3. Jayhawks 17-4. And and KU is also a game back of the tie of first place for K-State, Iowa State, and Texas at 6-2. The Jayhawks are 7-3. They are coming off a win in the Big 12 SEC Challenge as they beat Kentucky 77-68 in Rupp Arena. KU, I got to say, is in the middle right now of a very tough stretch. I think six of the last seven opponents in the top 25, I think after after tomorrow, their next two opponents are top 25 teams in Big 12 play. But this is the first time this season that K-State will play a rematch in Big 12 play. This is also the halfway mark of the the Big 12 season, where in the first meeting, K-State wins in overtime, 83-82. And kind of a place where I wanted to start is is actually uh, Marquise Noel. Because Marquise has been, in my opinion, phenomenal this year. His three-point shooting has improved. Yes, he does cough up a little few too many turnovers once in a while, but to me, he he tends to make up for every mistake he makes, and his his assist numbers are through the roof. Now, before we get to his numbers from the KU game, I am for sure still advocating that he should be definitely, if not the top guy in the conversation for being Big 12 Player of the Year. I know we got a ways to go, but let me just remind you where he stands right now in the Big 12 statistically. He is the Big 12's top scorer at 22 points a game. He is the Big 12's seventh best shooter, the Big 12's second best three-point shooter, the Big 12's best three-point field goals per game guy at 3.3. He has the second best free throw percentage. He is number one in assists, third in assist to turnover ratio, He is number one in the Big 12 in steals per game at three and also plays the most minutes than anybody in Big 12 play. The most minutes has been a constant, but frankly, most of those have been. 22 points a game is his mark in conference-only games, which is extraordinary. Yes, all those numbers I just gave you are all conference-only statistics. But for the most part, I can say this because I I do this for a living (laughs) and preparing for every game. He's been in the top 15-ish, for sure the top 20, in about seven to eight categories all season long since they, you know, they, they get a few games in before they really start to track it. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's been terrific. And what you're saying is, and, and, and we put it into perspective this way, um, 22 points a game in conference play, all of those numbers, we've, we've seen him be, on, on a lot of nights, just magical. And yet so many people in the conference are talking about Jalen Wilson and only Jalen Wilson. I would make the argument that Jalen has been terrific. And he did have a 38-point game here. And he's probably going to be a first-team All-American and potentially the National Player of the Year. But I, I would like to hope and think that a lot of these people that vote for this award will let this thing play out and not just anoint him there because of where he plays. Because... I don't think it's just Marquise Noel. I think there are three or four other guys that you could say, let's see how these last 10 play out. I think K-State's got a couple of those guys. Don't have to tell everybody who they are. I think they know that. Yeah. But you could also point to a guy like Gabe Kalsher at Iowa State, Marcus Carr at Texas. 
probably Adam Flagler or Keontae George at Baylor. So you get my point. I I think there are three or four or five guys that should be considered. Let's let it play out and not just anoint him there because of where he plays. So the other thing I wanted to bring up about Marquise was, okay, what happened against KU? I think KU had done their best job than anybody else defensively against a player like Marquise Noel. Yeah. Uh, when it came to how they played defensively, and also you know Marquise, and I, I was watching him during warmups of that KU game. He didn't, I didn't think he had a great warmup, honestly. And uh, on the floor against KU, he finished with four points, and he was zero for four from three, and he did have seven assists. He had four rebounds. He did some other things. He had the lob to Keontae Johnson for the game winner. But I think KU, I think did something where you know other teams are going to see that on film and try to do the same and maybe put a bit of a taller. Uh, defensive player on Marquise Noel and hope that he doesn't take as many as those deep threes, right. or at least try to contest them. Yeah, and and I think they kind of set precedence there. We saw a couple of teams try to do that after Kansas. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that X's and O's wise plays out tomorrow night at Allen Fieldhouse because I would say that I thought Kansas did an excellent job of taking Marquise Noel not totally, but somewhat out of rhythm and somewhat out of out of his comfort level in terms of what he does game in and game out. Where they paid the price was Desi Sills getting 24. Sometimes when you take things away, you get a little bit more fragile in other areas. 24 for Desi was one heck of a performance. And let me tell you, I mean, to me a big key is I think this is something K-State absolutely needs in Allen Fieldhouse. You know, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. KU does not have really much of a bench. It is they don't have, you know, Sean Collins coming off the bench to to score an insane amount of points or do amazing things for them. They don't really have a lot of depth. Their starting five is great. The depth isn't really there. You know, K-State what was so huge in that game is they had somebody come off the bench and just tear it up. And unfortunately, Desi Sills hasn't been close to what he did against KU in the last three games. True. A total of five points. At least at least in terms of scoring. He does yeah. so many other things well, but but that is true. I think it's an interesting game on so many levels because if you think about the way this is, I agree with you that Kansas' starting five is really strong. Their bench is not, frankly, what it's been in other years. But again, they were, they were national championship players. Kind of team last year, and and with old guys, yeah, with, yeah, with veteran guys, they lost a ton of people, and, and I think they they do miss Christian Brown and name the guys, but the the big one for me is is McCormick at the rim because he yeah. he could change games with his shot blocking ability. I just would tell you too that I think this. I'm hopeful that having David Gasson back too makes a difference in trying to protect help and protect the paint yeah. against not only not just KJ but but also a little bit on the dribble drive with Jalen Wilson because Wilson you know <laughs> he's going to get some threes and he's going to get some mid range stuff but where he hurt K State was off the dribble here and if you can kind of rotate and help a little bit there you I mean it is what it is. And KU does a really good job with that, you know, the clear out kind of thing with the with the two man game, uh, where where the big comes to set the the screen 
and then rolls back and and they you know that's where you said they don't have Sharon Collins, but as a passer, their point guard <laughs> is pretty good. Uh, he does probably second he, best to Marquise Noel when it comes to the assists. Correct, and he's the number one guy in the league in assist to turnover ratio. Dewan he sure Harris, is. And he's really good on those kind of plays and the lob plays too, much like Marquise. So I can't wait for the game. It should be a lot of fun. You know, I'm be curious to look up KJ Adams because I know even going up to the K State game, he you know he was always consistent scoring in in, in double figures. And then the next two games against TCU and Baylor, which led to losses, and they were you know three game losing streak, just scored four points apiece yeah. in those two games. Couple of really off days, and then he got back at it against Kentucky. So yeah. he was really little... good against Kentucky. Yeah, uh, and and the thing is, is that again you look for consistency, and he's been in double figures in twelve of his last fourteen. You pointed out the two that he wasn't, and that yeah. was a big deal. But in those fourteen games, he has averaged thirteen points a game. And when he does that with what they usually get out of Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson, and others, it makes them just that much harder to, to get on top of. And you brought up the guy where I think, you know, this is going to be a big coaching, you know, when it comes to adjustments from game one to game two. You, you know, how do you make sure Grady Dick doesn't go one for eight again? I'm talking about Bill Self. Because Grady Dig went one for eight, and that was his worst three-point shooting day. He still got his points. Sure. That's because he kind of, you know, off the dribble was kind of getting to the hoop, and he, he does so well scoring at the hoop. And I think K-State did a better job also drawing some fouls against him by beating him on the edge a little bit. But, you, you know, Bill Self wants to set him up for better three-point shots. Up yeah. at the line, not three steps back. Well, here's the thing. He has really good range, and he can get the shot off quickly. Uh, I would rather him have, let's say he gets 12 points in the game. I would much rather that he get those <laughs> getting to the rim and a tip in or a, a, a layup occasionally with the side ball screen or whatever, as opposed to, to going whatever it's going to be, making four out of six threes instead mm-hmm. of one out of eight. And he's certainly capable of that. That you. K-State needs to cover him up, and I thought they did a – now, he missed some shots too, but I thought K-State defended him fairly well here. Absolutely. Yeah. There was definitely – I remember seeing a little bit more energy from the defensive side and protecting the perimeter because you know Jalen Wilson was also hitting some big shots, but you know Grady Dick was at the time the best three-point shooter in the Big 12. I don't know statistically well, here's the, he's still here's up the, there. Here's the scary part. When they came to Manhattan, he was roughly at 50% from three for the year. Yeah. He's still terrific at 43%. But going from 50 to 43 in those games, including the K-State game, says that he has been in a little bit of a shooting slump, knock on wood. Well, (laughs) you hope that continues for one more game or several, whatever. Well, that's surprising. (laughs) For one, for sure. Yeah. I, I almost kind of scratched my head about this accuracy because as I was reading off the, the Marquis Noel stats earlier, I'm looking at three-point field goal percentage in conference play only. You know, Gabe Kalsher of Iowa State's in to- on top at 46%. Which is really and, good. And, yeah, Casey saw that last week, that's for sure. Marquis Noel second, Caleb Grills third, Jalen Wilson fourth, Keontae Georgia Baylor's fifth, Pop Isaacs is sixth. Wow. At 33%. Yeah. I mean... I almost have to do my own research to make sure that Grady Dick isn't shooting worse than 32.8% in Big 12 play. Well, I can tell you what he's shooting. That doesn't seem right. (laughs) 
In conference play, he's shooting 36.7% from three. He's 18 of 49. Okay, so maybe, yeah, they're... So that should probably that should put him fourth in the Big Twelve in, yeah. in three points. So uh, yeah, maybe there just is a small mistake on the Big 12's website there, and or a minimum of of, of attempts or makes or whatever. So sometimes yeah. you got to read that stuff too. But I think he would qualify in both. Yeah, He's I was gonna say a lot of shots. He kind of shoots it a bunch. Yeah. from three point range. Anything else stand out to you about this game? So I remember also you know that was a very even game. Bench points was a big difference. Um, but other than that, it didn't seem like there's a whole lot of difference on in the box score like. A lot of very even numbers. I would agree with that. I think I think at the end of the day, K State shot the ball pretty well, and I think they need to do that to have a, a chance to win in Allen. Like always, when you go there, you have to avoid the big runs. It's it's one thing for them to have, you know, a five, six, seven, eight, nothing swirl there, if you want to call it that, but you can't have a, a sixteen to two or something like that and normally survive it just because it gets so loud in there and it's so hard to come back against them. Uh, to me, I, I think rebounding will be a big factor. KU has struggled a little bit rebounding, and the other night against Kentucky, they were now much like K-State after the Iowa State game and going into Florida, the, the, the focus was on it. And usually when you focus on something like that, the effort is a little bit better. So I'm wondering where the focus is and the effort, more so effort than focus for both of these teams in rebounding. But it, it's it's going to – I think they're two really good teams. And maybe K-State, if, if they make enough shots, will have a real shot here. I, I, and a lot of times they've gone over there and it's been a longer a longer shot. I do think they have a chance here if they play well. They've got to play well. And you're telling me off the air, KU is expecting to be missing a player from the bench, potentially? Yeah, yeah. they had an injury the other night in the Kentucky game. Zuby Ejiofor, they're telling us, will is going to miss some time. Um, Coach Self, I think, called it some extended time, so multiple games for sure. So the first big off the bench tomorrow night will be Ernest Duda, who is a McDonald's All-American. Both of those guys have – played more uh, lately, but have not been as productive as I think you know they, they probably had hoped. But, I mean, Uday's still 6'11 and 240, and he gives you some energy there. So we'll see how that plays out. But you're, you're right. I mean, KU's bench, Pettiford, Yesifu, probably Uday, MJ Rice, and if they go any deeper than that, Zach Clemens without Ejiofor. KU's bench is by far the worst scoring bench in the Big 12, and they're also bottom 15 in the country when it comes to points per game from the bench. I will say Zuby Ejiofor is their best rebounder off the bench. Oh, yeah. Uh, He only plays five minutes a game, and he's grabbing two rebounds in that time, and that that may not seem like much. Well, to augment your point here, this is is conference scoring, okay? Bobby Pettiford, 2.1. Joseph Yesifu, 2.1. MJ Rice a half a point, Uday point three, Edge four oh seven. That's not a lot. Mm-mm. But on the other hand, you're at thirteen in conference play for KJ Adams, nearly twenty two for Jalen Wilson, fourteen for Grady Dick, eight point three for Kevin McCullough. There's a key guy from my perspective because he did a really nice job against Kentucky. Had eleven points, twelve rebounds. Do you remember how many he had in in Manhattan? How many points he had? I remember how many points he had, which. Was zero, yeah. Zero. And then Dewan Harris is at 6.4 in, in league play. 
Does Casey have a chance? Absolutely, but you we kind of ran through a bunch of bunch of things that are going to be considered, <laughs> you know, definitely some keys. It's just it's a rivalry. The places, you know, Allen's going to be jumping, of course. Value possessions too, yeah. man. Because they, they, you know, they're in these kind of games. Uh, th- this was an overtime game in Manhattan, and we barely scraped into the eighties. Uh. I think you could see a game in the 60s or 70s, I think. But it, again, comes down to, you know, are these two teams really locked in defensively and are they going to really get after it? And then maybe the game is a little lower scoring. We'll see. You know, it, it, it kind of to me – to That's me, what I love about it because, you know what, the perfect example is, is I remember sitting in that chair and calling the game at Texas – and I could I can promise you I thought K State had a good chance, but I did not think under any circumstances that that game would be one sixteen to one hundred three. So that's my point is, in sports you don't know, you just don't know how it's going to play out. Could tomorrow night be ninety five ninety two? Of course it could, <laughs> <laughs> right? But could it be sixty five sixty two? Maybe. I, that's what I, I, I'm. I'm so excited to just see how it plays out. Yeah, maybe with a game like this, she's got to throw the numbers out the window and just expect a, a fist fight, a dog fight. Just sure. two teams that are really good. Well, grit and toughness out. are gonna gonna matter. Yeah, and, and I think we all know what they're like in that building. Um, they don't lose there very often. And you know, if if you say anything else about K State in twenty two twenty three, you can say that they are tough. And they will fight you. They did the other night in Ames, fell a little bit short, but they they were they were there to win the ball game. They they were they were tough. Kansas, by the way, ten and one at home this year. It feels like every time K State wins the first one and it's in Bramlage, the next time out in Allen, KU just absolutely ramps it up defensively. Yeah. They they are just so more ready to play right off the bat. Uh, we saw that last uh, – the only time I've been there with, in Allen Fieldhouse, which was the 18-19 season, when the Cats won the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And K-State won the first meeting by like seven. Then it was like, you know, K-State couldn't get any breathing room offensively. It, You know, and K-State's throwing a lot of different teams at them. There's been at times like it's been way more competitive in Allen Fieldhouse, and you're not expecting it to be this close. Right. And Savi Mikhailuk walks five feet without dribbling and gets to the hoop and scores and – you know, KU still finds a way to win, even though it's a nail-biter at the end. I'm going to be there. I, I, it's only the second time in Allen Fieldhouse to be there as media. Sometimes I have a little bit of a tough time as media because I don't really do it this way anymore. Keeping it contained. Not speak up. Talk to my guy at the left. Did you see that? No, I, I'm just kidding. I'll keep it professional. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited for this one. I think anything can happen. Just like the, the previous meeting. Anything can happen in this kind of game. But can contain the losing streak in Allen Fieldhouse? I think he can. I honestly think he can. History just says that it probably won't happen. But again, I think you got to throw the numbers out the window. Doesn't matter if they were 12 years ago, 16 years ago, or last night. Yeah, just throw it out the window. Let's see what happens. Well, I, th- I think you can say that most things are possible just based on what K State has done this year on the road. You know how hard it is to win at Texas and at Baylor and those kind of things. So just based on that and winning a lot of close games. I mean, they've literally lost one pretty close game all year long. So, heck yeah, they have a chance. Hard? Of course. Toughest place to play in college basketball? Probably. 
that's that's what makes it so difficult. But um, I know they're going to fight. Let's let's hope they can make shots. All right. I suppose uh, we'll take a break, and when we come back, um, yeah. By the way, you know, cats are still selling out arenas across this country. <laughs> yep. And not an exception for tomorrow night. Allen Fieldhouse will be packed, of course, for this top 10 matchup. Tip-off at 7.02, pregame at 6 here on K-Man. We'll uh, take a look at a few games in the Big 12 this week, and uh, they'll ask us anything after this. All right, Wyatt, let's finish up Wildcat Insiders. Travion will get us out what we need to get out. He knows what that means. That's code. (laughs) He Uh, knows. Travion knows. We got a couple of 8 o'clock. I wish these games were being played at the same time. I'd love to watch them both. Um, I tell you what, there's a top 15 matchup, but I think the little surprise here is I've seen this line jump around a little bit. Texas Tech is hosting number 13 Iowa State tonight. Tech is a favorite. They're favored by two points. You want to explain that one to me, Wyatt? Because I, man, I'm thinking about, you know, even though I don't do this, uh, jumping all over Iowa State being the dog in this one. You know, I can't really explain this one, and I'll go back to this. We didn't when we talked about the Big 12 SEC challenge, we didn't even mention Tech. And I think you got to give them some credit. They were 0 and 8 in the league and went to LSU and won that ball game. How will that help them tonight? I think is the real question mark. Iowa State is a really good team. And we all know as per usual, <laughs> they're very good at home. A little more ordinary on the road. That maybe gives Tech a chance here. I'm, I'm anxious, like you, to see that one. I, I wish it were at 6 and then Baylor and Texas at 8. I, I'd, I'd prefer that, but we'll we'll get them both watched. I did a quick search for Caleb Grill. Uh, yeah, I can't really find anything that tells me if he's going to play or not. As he, of course, he didn't play against Mizzou, right? No, so, he did not. They held him out specifically yeah. hoping that he would be ready to go tonight, so we'll see. He's, Interesting. He's had some back uh, issues, uh, so... I mean, this could be a, a game time decision for Grill. I don't know that. It's just a guess. Uh, also tonight, eight o'clock. This is on ESPN. Uh, Clones and Red Raiders on ESPN two at eight. But eight o'clock, ESPN is number eleven Baylor at number eighteen. Or no, I'm sorry, number ten Texas. Listen, I think Baylor. They, you know, they might be the hottest team in the Big Twelve right now. I think that's fair to say because they have a six game winning streak. Yeah. Right now, heading into, into Austin. And, and let's put put that into perspective. The six-game win streak came after they started league play 0-3. Yes. Including the loss to K-State in, in Waco at the Ferrell Center. So, yeah, this is a really big game. And, of course, we'll see the Longhorns this weekend here in Manhattan. So uh, going to watch that one with a lot of interest for sure because uh, there are this game probably will be dominated by guard play. Uh, no doubt yeah. about that. Uh, the word is around the league that maybe it's not that long from now we'll maybe see Jonathan Chamwachachua available for Baylor. Don't know that it would be tonight, probably not. But I think you know, even even back when we were there, I remember there people saying that he would be back before the end of the regular season, and he's done very very well very quickly. Uh, let's see. There was something I was going to say, but now I completely forgot. Oh, well, when Texas comes in on Saturday, and that's a 3 o'clock tip-off, by the way. Right. Um, that was such an NBA type of game that I have no clue. <laughs> I, I, as of right now, I have no clue how that's going to play out in, in Bramlage coming up on Saturday. That's a stripe-out game, right? So yes, it is. So you have to pay is. attention to that. Yeah. yeah, go to kcsports.com, find out uh, if you got tickets. Uh, that is a sold-out game, by the way. If you have tickets, what color shirt you need to wear, purple right. or white. Uh, which, by the way, there's still three games with tickets on sale. I got to tell you, um, if K-State beats KU tomorrow night, all those tickets are gone. 
Should be anyway. Gone. Yeah. Yeah, they should be. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think everybody would be on board uh, <laughs> at that point. Why I think that's going to do it. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have time to squeeze in a little bit, ask us anything, but uh, maybe we'll squeeze in some more stories uh, next week's show after the Cats beat KU. Uh, tomorrow night, but have a great call, and we'll see you in uh, in uh, Lawrence tomorrow night. That sounds good, but enjoy the ball game. Let's see if we can go get one. All right, that's going to do it for Wildcat Insider. We'll have a full four to six tomorrow. I'll be on for the first couple of segments, and I'm going to head out to Allen Fieldhouse for Travion Wyatt. I'm Mitch. This has been Wildcat Insider. Go Cats. Getting you closer to the locker room than anyone else. This is Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider, an exclusive presentation of the flagship station of the K-State Sports Network. News Radio 1350, KMAN.